Welcome, 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 welcome to the Barnabas Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Cloyd Brown, and I'd like to welcome you to Barnabas Speaks. Thank you for coming back out. As always, I am grateful for everyone that comes and listens, everyone that shares, everyone, everyone that just has been traveling with me on this voyage of Barnabas Speaks. This week, we are going to conclude our study on perspectives, and our last topic of this week is... Perspectives of self-esteem. Perspectives of self-esteem. <sighs> How do we start? Uh, I have been studying uh, for my devotion. I've been studying the book of First Samuel. I've been really wanting to study the life of Saul. And uh, as I studied the life of Saul, I found out that... Uh, he suffered from self-esteem issues. Now he's not the first one. If you actually look at the, uh, we look at Gen- not Genesis but Exodus, we find that Moses uh, suffered from self-esteem issues. We find that there are a lot of people that actually suffered from self-esteem issues. But I wonder you saw because he was chosen to be king, and one of the things that they they say about. Uh, Saul was that he was so tall and he would basically what you when you think about a king is who you would think would be king and so I wanted to talk about that so self-esteem and self-esteem is a very interesting topic a very interesting thing because I think that in some form or fashion we have struggles with our self-esteem whether we have too much or we have not enough and I think that everything as we go on, as we move, even how self-esteem weighs or influences our perspective. Self-esteem influences our perspective. And how is that so? How you feel about yourself is inevitably going to show up in how you perceive people, how you perceive things. Uh, Let's give a little short example. So if you uh, feel bad about yourself, if you feel bad about the way that you you look or the way that you your weight, uh, whatever it may be, when you go into an environment, you are generally self-conscious and you believe that everyone perceives you the way that you see yourself. You believe that everyone perceives you the way that you see yourself. So when you walk inside of the room and you go, you're walking across the room, self-consciously you're thinking, or subconsciously rather, you are thinking, man, do I look right in this? Are these shorts too short? Are these pants too tight? Man, can they see my belly? Uh, and we think about these things and it, and it weighs in on how we perceive things. And so when we... So even at the same time, when we are looking at other people and we're looking at their success and we're looking at how they approach things, we're seeing things through the lens of our self-esteem. And so often when we see someone that is successful or we see someone that's confident, we say we think they think they're all that. Because the fact is that we don't think much of ourselves. Self-esteem has a way of changing, excuse me, uh, self-esteem has a way of changing the way we approach things. Uh, 
um, if we have a a thought that we're not good enough, then everything we approach, we approach from that mindset. And so a lot of times we approach things as if they're impossible. And if they become impossible for us, that means they have to be impossible for other people. And it and it and we begin to pull other people down due to our self-esteem. We begin to do two one or two things. We either pull people down, or because our self-esteem is low, we begin to listen to the voices more than we listen to the voice of God. Slow self-esteem has a way to cause us to listen to the voices of the crowd, the voices that we look for approval from, rather than we listen to the voice of God, rather than we listen to our own voice, rather than we listen to the voices that are, are promoting healthy living. We begin to, we begin to search out the affirmation or the confirmation from other people that we should be able to get either internally or from God. What do I mean by that? And so let's say God called you to be a business owner. I want to use the business owner because oftentimes when we say God called you, we, we normally say God called you to preach. God called you to be a pastor, but God can call you to other things. And I, we're going to talk, touch on why people, uh, gravitate towards certain things that God calls you to. But God can call you to be a business owner. Let's say he calls you to be an entrepreneur. And God told you exactly what he called you to do. He called you to, let's say, you are a person that provides services through contracting uh, or through consulting. And uh, let's say you're a mediator. That's what we'll say. You have your own business and you're, you're a mediation firm. And so you go to mediate disputes between people, mediate disputes between uh, businesses, and so on and so forth. And even you work inside the court. And so God told you to do this thing. And so the first thing that you will be looking for is affirmation that God told you to do this thing. But the problem is we do not look look for affirmation or confirmation from people. We look for affirmation and confirmation from, uh, we, rather, we don't look for affirmation and confirmation from God. We look for it from people. And so those voices. And so what I want you to do, even as I speak right now, I want you to begin to, if you have a pen and paper or you have this dude in your head, begin to think about the voices that in your life that mean the most. No, really think about it. Think about the people in your life that have the most weight in when they say things or have the most weight when they say things that you take those things in and those mean the most. Think about the people that you fish for compliments from. Think about the people that when they say you look good, man, you like, man, I look good. Uh, when, so, when they say that you look bad, man, I look bad. Or, so what are the, who are those people? I think that if you would really be introspective the people that you're looking for those things from are generally not, not always your friends. Sometimes they're your boss. Sometimes it's a person that you find to be enticing or attractive, not necessarily uh, in a romantic or physical way, but you're attracted to them, whether you're to practice. Attracted to the success, you're attracted to the thing, their goals, and all the things that they've done. Whether you're, if you're a fashion person, you're attract, uh, 
attracted to their clothing and things of that nature. But you're attracted to them. But they may actually be negative towards you. And so oftentimes, low self-esteem would have us to try to change people's negative outlook on us to positive. I don't know why. This thing about you can have 100 people that say you look good. But the one person that tells you that you look bad and you... You uh, you what you end up doing is you end up uh, you end up what you end up doing is you end up trying to prove to this person that has something negative to say that they should see you in a positive light. And that's what we do with God, the voice of God. And God, now I want to go back to my example. God has called you to entrepreneurship and he told you that, that you're going to open up a, a firm, a mediation firm. And so you begin to, to prepare for it and you begin to tell people and what you're looking for people to say when you say that, you know what, I can see that, man. Yeah, you'll do good on that. And so when people tell you, don't tell you that you'll do good on that or people say, man, how are you going to do that? I've never seen anybody do this before. I don't think you can do it. We begin to believe them. And we, those voices have more weight in our lives than God. And I'm here to tell you is that as long as your self-esteem is, is uh, correlated to how other people feel about you, you'll always be a prisoner to their voices. You'll always be a prisoner to their perspective of you. God, God now says, he's saying that you cannot serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other. And we don't look at it like that because, man, we go to church, we praise God, and we worship, we pay our tithes, we do all these different things. But the, the greater challenge, or the, rather the greater evidence of your servitude to God or your love for God is how much weight his voice has in your life. Because the thing is that we look at these things and we 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 begin continue to have these box checks or these check boxes rather that tells that that we use to measure our Christianity, our faith. Okay, I pay tithes every every uh, every time I get paid. Check. I go to church every every Sunday. Check. I go to Bible study. Check. Uh, I, I serve in the, in the choir. I help, I help with the uh, the youth choir. Check. Uh, I do all these things and I, I check it. But internally, mentally, and emotionally, you're not truly a servant of God because you haven't surrendered your mind. You haven't surrendered your ear. You haven't surrendered your self-esteem. And because your self-esteem is low, because you struggle with self-esteem, you don't look for affirmation from God. You look for affirmation from people. I know this is not as exciting as and as, as, as imploring or as, as encouraging, it may not seem as the the other podcast about perspective. But I need to touch on this because if uh, as we talk about different perspectives and we talk about perspectives of justice and we talk about our just perspectives in general, as we have talked about uh, perspectives of envy, when we get to the point of perspectives of self-esteem, all the things that we talked about previously start here. 
how we view ourselves, how when we look in the mirror, how we view ourselves will have a great reflection and a great impact on how we view others, how we view think the things God told us to do, how we view uh, things within the world, how we view uh, make sure that we're administering justice and mercy, how we view all these different things all comes back to how we feel about ourselves. That's all self-esteem is, is that how do you perceive yourself? How do you see yourself? Not just when you look in the mirror, when you think about yourself. When you think about, fill in the blank, your name, what do you see? What do you, what do you hear? What do you say about yourself? That's, self-esteem is what do you say? What do you see about yourself and what do you say about yourself? And a lot of times, only thing that we know how to do is repeat what other people said about us. The only thing we know how to do is to repeat what other people said about us. Not realizing that generally that who we project is what people will say. Now, not all the time, because sometimes people can see uh, when people are looking through you through the lens of God, they can see things in you that you can't see. So before I was ready to say that I was a preacher and that I that I that I was called to pastor, uh, people would say people would say, oh, man, you're going to be a preacher. Oh, you're you're I can't wait till you start your church. If you start a church. I would definitely join your church. And I don't want to hear it because I couldn't see it. And partly because I, I saw my faults. I knew my faults. Isn't it funny that God knows your faults, yet he still calls you? Isn't it interesting that we can look at our faults and believe that it disqualifies you, but God looks at our faults and says, that's why I need you, because your faults allow me to qualify you. Your faults humble you to the say that, to the point to rather, where you will allow me to lead you. In fact, in Romans, it says that, not Romans, but in Corinthians, when Paul is speaking about his thorn in his side, it says that God, I, he said three times I asked God to remove this thorn from me, but he said my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, I am strong. The fact is that your faults, the things that you cannot stop seeing about yourself is why God wants to use you. But when you see those things, you think that that means that God can't use you. And the thing is that 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 the self-esteem, when we look through our through the lens of our faults and we look through the uh, the lens of of our shortcomings, maybe we don't feel like we're tall enough. Maybe we think that uh, our eyes a little bit too spaced out. Maybe we don't think that we have good fashion sense. Maybe we maybe we maybe uh, because we can't seem to, to 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 be in a relationship, or we or, or the fact is that we are in a relationship, and it seems to, to be our general focus, and all those different things. Wherever you, whatever you put inside of there, uh, and you feel like that is your shortcomings, and that's your faults, and you can't see beyond that. Or maybe it's the mistakes you've made in life. So maybe that maybe it's because you had sex before marriage. Maybe it's because that uh, that you dropped out of college, or maybe it's because uh, uh, you can't seem to get a. a uh, a good paying job, or maybe it's because uh, you lied sometimes, maybe because you had a baby out of wedlock, maybe it's for whatever these things or whatever your maybe is. And we think those things disqualify us. But And so from our perspective of low self-esteem, our perspective of ourselves, we continuously see ourselves as unworthy. We continue to see ourselves 
as not being able to accomplish the things that God has placed in us. And when we look at it from that perspective, we project that perspective. And even if we're not projecting it, we're projecting it when we think about how people think about us. Because we believe that when people see us, they can see all our faults. But the reality is that people are walking around just like you, trying to overcome their faults, overcome their mistakes, and live a good life. To, and to pursue their dreams and to accomplish their dreams in a successful manner. They're trying to do the same thing. But the, 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 the thing that low self-esteem will have us to do, it, a, a lot of times it has us to result to a, a certain perspective of narcissism. Where we believe that everybody is thinking the same thing about us. Everyone is thinking that you're unworthy. Everyone's thinking that you can't speak. Everyone thinks that you... Um, that you that you're overweight. Everyone thinks that you're too skinny. Everyone thinks this. This is the things that we, we we project that people see about us. And the reality is they're not even thinking about you because they're walking around and their their skin trying to figure out whether people are thinking about them the way they think about themselves. You see, I think oftentimes we think of narcissism as a person that thinks that um we think of narcissism that all narcissists are arrogant. But the reality is that you could be narcissistic and thinking that everything revolves around you and have low self-esteem. And what I mean by that is that you can have a negative view about you. And because you have a negative view about you and because you suffer from uh, a, 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 a dimension of uh, narcissism, you think that everyone sees you in a negative eye and that everyone's thinking about what you're incapable of and everyone's thinking about what you suck at. But the reality is they're not even thinking about you. But self-esteem has a way to change our perspective to where we believe that all our failures are now able to be seen by everyone else. And the thing is, is that when we think, when we are so focused on our failures, and we're so focused on, focused on what people think about our failures, their voice and their opinion becomes louder than our, the voice about our of our own our own voice rather and the voice of God. And what I'm here to say to you, beloved, is that we have to break out of that mindset that hey, everyone sees our faults, and the fact is that you can't be truly forgiven as long as you're holding on to all the mistakes you made, and that you can't let it go. The reality is that it is an insult to God's to, to God's Son, Jesus Christ, who shed His blood on the cross for the sins of myself and you that we he's died for us and he was resurrected so that way we may be forgiven that we may be able to live in a in a life that is stretching towards holiness and righteousness but then we reject his salvation how do we reject the salvation we don't accept it let me give you a practical example let's say that you are dating someone you're dating someone, you're married, you can fill in the blanks however you want to do it. And every time they try to love you, you reject it. When they tell you that you're beautiful, you say, no, I'm not. I just can't get over that. When, you tell, when they tell you, tell them, uh, when they say that they love you, they love you passionately and they love you with all their heart, you will tell them that you're not deserving of love because of how you treated someone else. And every time... And so when they when they come to hug you and they come to kiss you, you, you're not really into it because you don't think you deserve happiness. 
And because you don't think that you deserve happiness, you're rejecting their love. And it's an insult to their love. They're pouring themselves out, but you won't, you can't truly be invested in a relationship because you don't believe that you should be there. How? How selfish is it that a person can give you all their love? But because you're so caught up on what has happened in the past, you can't even accept their love. You can't accept their love. They're trying to show you that they love you. But because someone else cheated on you or because someone else has done you wrong or because you did bad in a relationship, maybe you were the person that cheated. Or maybe you're the person that sucked that communication. Or maybe whatever the reason to break up is because I think sometimes we lean too much on cheating as the breakup. And the reality is people can break up just because they're not a fit. But that's neither here nor there. But you're rejecting their love. And they want to love you. And they want to walk with you. And they want to talk with you. And they want to be there for you. But because you can only perceive your faults. You can't accept it. And the challenge is when you can only perceive your faults. Many times. You're waiting for something bad to happen. So that way you can say that, tell yourself that you were right. Our greatest enemy is not outside of us. Our greatest enemy is the enemy within. The, the enemy that's in me. That is, that is our greatest battle. The reason, why you wanna, the, the reason why you won't apply for the job is because you have already told yourself that, you can, that they will not hire you. And because you've already went through your list of low qualifications and said that I am not qualified, so I will not apply. My sister and friend uh, uh, is a uh, is an HR manager, and that's that's her niche. And uh, we were talking, and she said that generally what ends up happening is that, and you'll find this more so. For people of low social socioeconomic statuses, that they'll read the job description and they'll read the requirements. And let's say there are six requirements. They may qualify and fit fit into the five of the requirements, but miss it by one, and they won't apply for the job. But people of higher socioeconomic status. We'll see that they apply. They 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 fit in those five. Those their six uh, qualification. They fit in the five. They're like, well, hey, I'm going to highlight the five that I'm good at. And so maybe they'll look at it and say, hey, at least you can learn this. They are not looking through. They're not looking in the lens of everything that that disqualifies them, but they're looking in the lens of what qualifies them. That is what I want to tell you is that. Your, your perspective of, of your self-esteem, you can no longer look at the things that disqualify you, but look at the things that qualify you. And for the Christian, it doesn't matter of all the things that you think disqualify you because Christ 
God, our Father in heaven has qualified us. And that qualification outweighs every other thing that you feel disqualifies you. That, that's the thing is that if, if we were to, 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 to write a list of all the things that, that we have good in our life and, and, and then all the things that we have bad in our life, if for some reason it's human nature to focus on the bad. But there's some good there. That's why I said that for every every cloud, there's a silver lining. Because even when in, in the worst of situations, there's something that you should be able to find that you can find joy in. Oh man, yes, the house won't sell, but at least the bills are paid. Oh no, the the car won't start, but at least we got food in the house. I have to worry about going there. Or, or the the car won't start and these need things to be done, but at least we got money in the bank to get it fixed. I know sometimes it feels like the thing that you're going through is a struggle and and it's, and it's a fight and. It feels like the negative are outweighing the positive, but that's just your perspective. If you look long enough, you'll find that there's some silver lining to this and that, that you cannot allow your self-esteem to cause you to look at things as everything that's not and never look at the things that are. What I'm telling to you, for you is that whatever you're applying for, whatever you're, whatever you're uh, trying to apply to your life, stop looking at all the things that disqualify you, all the things that you don't have, and start looking from the perspective of all the things that I do have. What are some of the things that you do have? What is something that you're good at? Stop looking from the point of what you're not good at. What we'll do is we'll chase the things that we're not good at. And then fall into depression because we're not good at it. And we'll never perfect the things that we're good at because we want what we can't have. For some reason, it's human nature to go after the forbidden fruit. Look at Adam and Eve. I need you to really look at the story of Adam and Eve, the account of the fall from the garden. It says that we can touch every tree. We can eat from every tree in the garden except this one. The fact is that until, until the, the, the tempter comes and, and asks them and points out rather, the fruit, the, the tree that they can't eat from, they weren't even thinking about that. They were happy with all the other trees. They were, let's just say that, I, I, I hate this, this scenario. Let's just say that it was a grapevine that they couldn't eat from. We'll say that. And so they could eat from the apple tree. They could eat from the orange tree. They could eat from the plum tree. They could eat the watermelon. They can eat, they can eat the peaches. They can eat all these things. And they were satisfied with that. As long as they were so focused on what, what God had blessed them with instead of the thing that God forbid them from. But the moment they became more focused on the thing that God forbid them from now all of a sudden it feels like man I'm missing out but they weren't missing out they had everything they could ever need in the fall of the garden this is when this idea comes from the idea that hey there's something missing when there was really truly nothing missing Beloved, everything that, that, that God has given you and, and the thing that God hasn't get given you, he didn't give it to you because it wasn't purpose for you. But the thing is that as long as you focus on the thing that you weren't purpose for, and sometimes you're not purpose for it at this moment, sometimes God is going to give it to you later. He's going to give you down the line. But learn to be satisfied in what God has given to you and not so focus on what he hasn't given you.
want to free the singles. That's what I want to do. I want to free the single people out there. I would like to, that's what I want to do. I want to free the single people out there. And I want to free you because as long as you're caught up on that you're single, that you don't have a significant other, that you don't have children yet, as long as you're focused on those two things, you'll sometimes miss that God has given you a gift in your singleness. Listen, I love God. I really do. Uh, my wife loves God. We are lovers of God. And as a married man and her as a married woman, there are some things that there's some places where we have limitations. And I'm not even talking about the obvious. I'm not talking about, oh, man, I can't. I have to watch my conversation with women. She has to watch her conversation with men. Not that kind of stuff. I'm talking about something simple as that. Hey, I, I love to do the work of the Lord. But hey, I better not be doing the work of the Lord at 1 a.m. I need to get home to my, to my wife. And she needs to get home to me. Yeah, it's one thing to be at the church. What I mean is that, hey, I'm, I'm out late every night. 1 a.m. Tell myself, I'm doing the work of the Lord. No, that's not how that works. I have a responsibility to, to my house. So I need to come home and minister to my family. But you, single person... Not to say that you have to feel obligated to do this thing, but the fact is that you don't have that same thing. And that, that fits in anywhere. And say, hey, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to build this business, but at some time I have to make time for my, my wife. And it's not a negative for me, but the fact that you're not married, you don't have anyone to go to, it doesn't have to be a negative for you. The fact is that you can do that. You can just pick up and go somewhere. You can just pick up and you can just move your, move it, move your career with that. But when I, for me, for a person with a, with a wife and a, and a son, I have to think about all the moving parts with that. There's a, I, yeah, I know you want to be married. I know you want to have a child. I know you want family. I know you want that house right now. I know you want that really nice car. But the thing is that the things that you don't have don't have to be a, a, a punishment that you because you don't have it. But sometimes those things that you don't have can be a gift because it gives you certain freedom that the person with that doesn't have. There's certain jobs that even when it comes to salary and it comes to 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 uh, to hours, I have to think about how does it affect my family. I can't just say, hey, I'm going to take this this low paying job because I have I have a, a responsibility to my family to provide. There's some things, beloved. That our shortcomings and I'm using that with quotations, quote unquote, sh shortcomings are actually gifts wrapped up like a curse. Some of the things that we struggle with are gifts wrapped up as a curse. The things that we think that disqualifies are actually what qualify us. Okay, let me give you a practical example. You grew up in an abusive household. You watch your dad beat up your mom. You watch your mom beat up the, the, your siblings and yourself. You watch your mom be verbally and emotionally abusive. You watch this. You grew up in this. Then you go and get delivered. And you, you, you get healing from all that. And every time you look back about it, you, you look back at it, you feel like, man, 
I'm not worthy to minister. But God says the trouble that you went through and endured makes you the perfect person to minister because you have experience and you're able to relate to the person that you're ministering to. So this, the trouble that you went through doesn't just, it, one, it does not disqualify you, but it qualifies you to be an, uh, a subject matter, matter expert or a SME, S-M-E, a subject matter expert because you've experienced it, you learned from it, and you've passed the test. You're not disqualified because you had some hell in your life. You're not going to be unsuccessful because you've, you've had some unsuccess in your life. Thomas Edison, when he was uh, trying to create, figure out uh, the light bulb, he says that I did not fail, fail a thousand times. I just figured out a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. And I just needed to find the one way too. And I, I may be mixing up, but that's, that's it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. The fact is the thousand things that you have went through has been a lesson. So stop looking at the things you went through and putting it as a weight. Because the thing that you have went through or is really you working out to become stronger to be able to lift that weight. But not just for you, but for other people. Stop looking at what you don't have. Don't stop making a list of, of things, of, of, of pros and cons, and only focus on the cons. Y'all know I love movies. Uh... Back before I was married and uh, me and my wife started, before my, me and my wife started dating, I went on this date with this young lady and she wanted to go see Sex in the City. And it was a, it was a scene where, I don't know the characters' names, uh, but one of the characters was, uh, found out that her, her husband was cheating. And uh, she kicks him out. They, they, uh, they separate. And they start working towards divorce. But then before that, they decided that they were going to go to therapy. And as they were looking at reconciling, they said, the therapist says, I want you to write a list of reasons why you should come to, the, to meet for the reconciliation or reasons why you shouldn't. And and I'm not, this is not to condone cheating. As she made her list, she realized that him cheating wasn't the sum total of who he was. And that as she wrote her list, he had a lot of positives. And she began to think that this cheating was one was very big thing. And I'm not here to condone infidelity and cheating, but just follow along with the story. 
but it was a lot that he did do. And then she began to think about his list and realize that though she didn't cheat, she, that he may have had, had enough reasons not to come. What does that story mean, Cloyd? What I'm telling you is this. Sometimes we focus on the, everything that we don't have, have. Sometimes our self-esteem causes us to even look at another person and think about all the things that they don't do. Never considering the things that they do do. <laughs> the things that they are capable of doing, the things that they, that they accomplish. Let's bring it. Let's, let's, let me make it real plain. Uh, I can only, uh, I'm using uh, me because it's easy. Uh, and so this is an example. This is, this is not necessarily the case. Let's say me and my wife are having a disagreement. And uh, part of disagreement is that we are not as intimate as I would like. And if I only focus on the one thing that I feel like that she's not doing. Not considering that she makes she makes sure that I have food on the table, that we have food on the table as a family as far as something to eat. She cooks. She takes care of my our son. Uh, she manages our, our schedules. Uh, and on top of that, she's working. And on top of that, she's going to school. But the only thing I can focus on is that we're not as intimate as much as I would like. And if that's my focus. And I, I blindly look at all the things or blindly block out the things that she does do very well. Never considering Those things, but only looking at, we don't have sex as much as I would like. And so I'm unhappy about that. Imagine how that makes her feel. Like she does all this and it feels like it's, it's just not enough. And so now I, I'm... I, I think about those things, and so I now look at all the things that I do, and I wonder what happens if she takes that for granted. Now I want you to apply that to yourself. What are all the things that you do, that you do well? What insult it is to you, to your gifts, to, to your hard work? to your successes that you don't even take time to enjoy that you don't even take that into account but the only thing you keep on bringing up is that time you failed I'm experienced with this because it, it, this, this caused me not to be happy when I finally went back to school and graduated with my bachelor's degree Because 
only thing that I could that that spoke loud is that I left school and it felt like a failure. I remember when I was uh, getting ready to join the Air Force. And I'll never forget it. Uh, I was going to school in Fort Valley, Georgia, and uh, I was working with uh, one of my uh, one of my my hometown heroes, my hometown friend, uh, Maria Willis. And I told her I'm leaving school and I'm uh, getting ready to go in the military. And I was I was kind of sad about it. And she was like, "Don't worry about it. You can always come back and finish. You can always finish it up." That's just the kind of person she was. I just I I just thought about that. Even as I'm speaking to you, I just thought about that. Is that what Maria is saying? Is that so? What you had a detour. That's not the definition of who you are. What I'm telling you is that so much. So what you have some faults. Somewhat you you have some things that you're not proud of. Yes, maybe you maybe I'm speaking to someone that had that 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 went to jail. Or maybe someone that used to sell drugs, or maybe someone that struggled with alcoholism, maybe someone that was addicted to pornography, maybe someone all those different things. But that's not the sum total of who God says that you are. So what you had a few detours in your life. But that's not the end of the your story. That's not it. You don't have to focus on those things because they are good things about you. The fact that you that we're talking about these things in the past. But let me even talk to the person that's struggling right now. And it bothers you that you're struggling. I'm telling you that it's okay because, because the fact that it bothers you that you're struggling is a sign that you're not all the way gone. We think that the worst thing that can happen to us or the worst thing that we can do is sin. I would like to, to suggest that the, the thing that's worse than sin is that, that you can sin with no condemnation. That you can sin with no conviction. That you don't feel, you don't feel that you can just freely sin and it doesn't bother you at all. Yes, yes, you may be selling drugs right now. But the fact that you know that it's not good for you, you know that you need to stop and all those different things is a start. Oh, yes, you are, you are addicted to pornography. But every, every, after every time you do it, you feel a, a wave of, of conviction upon you. Yes, I want you, to, yes, you may, you, I want you to come out of that addiction. But the silver lining in this is, beloved, is that you have you still have that conviction and it's and it's and it's weighing on you. If that conviction is not there, oh beloved, then I would begin to worry. But because the conviction is there, you have a silver lining on that dark cloud. Beloved, it's, it's you have more to offer. And as I talk about perspectives of self-esteem, and it may seem like I, I that, that I veered off, but no, how you view yourself, how you view yourself, how you view your, your positive and negatives has an effect on your perspective on people, has an effect on your perspective on success, 
has a, an effect on your perspective of justice. It's hard to give justice when you hate yourself. It's hard to be fair when you're conceited. It's hard not to overcome envy when you hate yourself. Beloved, you have a lot to offer. And I, I'm willing to bet if you would just take the time to introspectively look. Introspectively look at the things you're good at. Good at. No, truly look. I'm not talking about, don't, I don't want you to do a quick list because I want you to really think about it. I want you to shut yourself off and, and just talk to God and, 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 and just spend some time thinking about what you're good at. Maybe even get a good friend. Someone that you know is trustworthy, that is honest, and say, hey, I, I need you to help me figure out what I'm good at. And I promise you they can see it. Don't get so caught up in what you're not. Everything you're not made you everything that you are. I think about the, the, the idea of guerrilla warfare. I was watching Enemy of the State. I wanna. I, I love movies. What can I say? Uh, but uh, I watched the Enemy of the State, and one of the the things as uh, Gene Hackman is talking to Will Smith, he says, in guerrilla warfare. You take what would be considered a weakness and make it your strength. If someone's bigger than you, that means they're exposed and slow and you're hidden and mobile. If you're an introvert, And not an extrovert, and you're around all extroverts. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. It gives you that you have a different perspective, and and that you can, you can use that as your advantage. While all those guys are out and needing that interaction, you you work well alone, and so you can do individual individual tasks well. The silence won't hurt you, beloved. Write this list. Write everything that, that you're good at. Now there's some things that you can have some things that's on the other side that you're not good at you can work at. But what I'm telling you is that the thing that you're bad at is not the sum total of who you are. I told you a few weeks ago that my, my job in this, this uh, podcast is to encourage you. But the difference is, is that I am not a rabbit. I am not here to pace you. I'm here to chase you to greatness. I'm the lion that roars and chases you to greatness. And I'm telling you that you have greatness in you. But stop looking at the weakness as if the greatness doesn't exist too. I am telling you that on, on in you, there's greatness and some not so greatness. But... Stop focusing on the not-so-greatness that you miss the greatness. 
I'm telling you, beloved, there's greatness in you. And I'm here to pull it out of you. And if I have to chase you around the track, I have to chase you towards your goals for you to realize that as I'm going, greatness is coming out. Then so be it. Because I know that there's greatness in you. I'm, I, I see people right now that, that are listening to this podcast and I see you and by, by the, the, the grace of Jesus Christ. I see you and I'm telling you there's greatness in you and you're greater than your faults. You're greater than your shortcomings because Jesus Christ has purposed you for some things and God has purposed you for some things. And in, your, in that purpose is your greatness. So wake up, change your mind about, change your perspective about who you are. Because your current perspective is that you are what you're not. And I know I said that everything you're not, you're not makes you everything that you are. But what I'm saying is that when you look at yourself, you only see what you're not. But you're greater than your not. You're greater than your have nots. Beloved, there's greatness in you. Let's reach for greatness. Let us see the greatness more than we see the not so great. Let us pursue the things that we're great in. That God has gifted us with. And stop focusing so much on what we're not. I believe in you. If you need someone to encourage you and push you, reach out to me because I'm going to chase you until you get there. I'm not going to quit. Right now, as I, even as I speak, I'm thinking about people that I need to shoot a text to to let them know that I have not forgot about their dreams and goals. And I'm still going to chase them towards their goals because you're greater than you're not. Because you have a great God in you. You have a great purpose in you. Stop focusing on the things that you're not. And start focusing on those things that you are. God bless you and God love you. Hey family. You have just listened to another episode of the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Coy Brown, and I want to thank you for listening. As always, I want to open up the opportunity. If you are seeking salvation and you would like to have more, you have more questions about salvation, you can reach out to me via email, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My email is cloyd.brown at rlcrdu.com. My Facebook handle is Cloyd Stephon Brown. My Instagram handle is at Cloyd Brown. And my Twitter is at Gentleman Cloyd. Feel free to reach out whether you have questions about your salvation, questions about your relationship with Christ, or you just need prayer. I will always be open to those, uh, to praying with you, to speaking with you, and I look forward to hearing from you. Additionally, I would like to thank you for listening, and I would ask that you would share uh, this podcast with your friends and your family, and if it, it has blessed you. And once again, thank you for coming out. And remember, never let your independence rob you from your dependence on God. God bless you and God love you.